Joshua Maddox was an 18-year-old whose mummified remains were found in the chimney of an abandoned cabin in Colorado, seven years after he went missing. Joshua Maddox left his family... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply home on the 8th of May 2008 to take a walk. Joshua loved nature and he would do this pretty often so no one thought much of it at the time. The problem was that Joshua never made it back home later that night, but it doesn't seem like his family was too worried by this. I'm not sure if this is something that happened quite a bit or if this is just a coincidence, but his family didn't really get worried until five days later on May 13th when they decided to file a missing persons report. At this point though, it was already too late and the police didn't really have much luck in searching for him. It seemed like Joshua had simply gone out for a walk and vanished, but this clearly wasn't the case. The search for Joshua was on, and it seems like his family spent several years searching for him, all to no avail. What makes this case extremely strange is that after all this time, it seems like his family was still largely unconcerned. Obviously, they wanted their son back, don't get me wrong, but they kept making excuses about where he could have gone and justifying his disappearance somehow. For example, a few family members said that they felt as though he probably left town to start a new life somewhere else without telling anyone. But they contradicted themselves a bit by saying that there were no issues at home and Joshua had a pretty solid mental health history. They also said that he was as happy as ever when he left for a walk that day. If all this is true, what would have caused them to believe that he would have just skipped town and escaped? It's definitely possible that this was just his family's way of grieving and trying to justify their missing son, but something just doesn't seem right about this. It just feels odd to me. This is where the case takes a seriously dark turn, and, and for any of you that may have issues with claustrophobia, and I know I do, viewer discretion is definitely advised. A man named Chuck Murphy owned a plot of land about a mile from Joshua's house. The land was filled with overgrowth and pine trees but there was a small wooden cabin on it that had been sitting vacant for several years. I don't know who would have originally owned this cabin, but it doesn't seem like Chuck ever really used it, so he decided to tear it down one day. He hauled all of his construction equipment over to the cabin and began ripping down the chimney when he spotted something that I'm sure he wishes he had never seen. As he ripped the chimney apart, he found the mummified body of Joseph stuffed inside. The cabin had been sitting here empty for years, and it seems like Joshua had been inside the chimney the entire time that police were looking for him. He was cramped into a fetal position, and his legs were lodged above his head. The crazy thing is, 
The coroner found no signs of trauma whatsoever. There were also no drugs in his system and all of the tissue samples looked completely normal. There wasn't so much as a scratch on his body and certainly no self-defense wounds indicating that he may have been attacked somehow. Because of this, police concocted a theory that Joseph had simply fallen into the chimney, became stuck, and couldn't get out. He would have passed away soon after from hypothermia, according to police. This is another part of the case that just doesn't add up to me. I understand Colorado can be a pretty chilly place, and it snows there more than it rains in Southern America. But on average, the temperatures in Colorado during this time of year would have been in the mid-60s, and it wouldn't often get below freezing temperatures at night. Even if it did, though, it wouldn't really be enough to send a person into hypothermic shock, at least not if they were shielded by the brick of a chimney. This, again, makes no sense and gives the whole case just a strange feel. I totally understand their theory that he may have fallen into the chimney, especially since there were no signs of trauma. But their sudden jump to the conclusion that he died from hypothermia seems really odd when there's really no evidence to back up such a theory. This also doesn't add up because Chuck, the owner of the cabin, testified that there was no possible way Joshua could have fallen into the chimney. He mentioned that several years before, he'd installed a metal grate at the top of the chimney that would have prevented any humans or animals from getting inside the cabin. At the least, it would have required the use of an angle grinder to remove this grate, though I don't know for sure if this grate was still installed when Joshua's body was found. No one ever really specified this, but according to Chuck's testimony, I think we can infer that it was still there considering he says there was no way that Joshua could have fallen in, but that's just me kind of piecing stuff together here and, and giving a guess. Things continued to get crazy from here though. When police and Chuck investigated the rest of the cabin, they found that all of Joshua's clothes had been taken off before he entered the chimney. His shirt, pants, shoes, socks, and presumably underwear were all removed and the only thing he was wearing was a thin thermal shirt. On top of this, his clothes weren't just removed, but they were neatly folded and stacked just outside of the fireplace. So if this was Joshua's own doing, he would have needed to strip naked and work his way into the fireplace from the ground up. Unless this is some sort of weird sexual thing, I just I, it doesn't make sense to me how this could have happened. According to the coroner, there is no possible way Joshua could have weaseled himself into that position. The coroner claims that it would have required a minimum of two people for Joshua to have worked himself inside the chimney in the way that he did, and he would have needed to go head first. To this day, Joshua's case remains unsolved. There have been no real leads in the case since then, aside from a single Reddit post that comes from back in 2015. According to the post, a man named Andy knew Joshua pretty well, and it seems like they were most likely pretty close friends. The person who posted this claims that Andy and Joshua were known to hang out together around the same time that Joshua went missing. The rumor claims that Andy traveled to New Mexico a short while later and was convicted for stabbing someone. He was also heard by at least one person bragging about how he had, quote, put Joshua in a hole. Though, again, as expected, the police and Joshua's family don't seem to have thought much about this. They brushed it aside, and the case really hasn't progressed any further. By all means, it seems like police have just closed the case, and they refuse to look back into it. In their minds, Joshua did this to himself, and that's all there is to it. In my opinion, Joshua's case needs to be studied much harder. I'd be looking really closely at the family and his loved ones and gathering as much information as possible from them to try to piece together Joshua's life in a more realistic way because the statements they gave to police about him supposedly skipping town just don't match the happy mindset that they say he was in. 
There has to have been some sort of reason they would have thought that he could realistically have just walked out the front door and started a new life in a different town. What could have possibly been bothering him that would have led his family to believe such a thing could be possible? Was he having troubles at home, financial issues, or maybe even troubles with a friend? Maybe his friend's name was Andy. There are just too many variables and the investigators don't seem to have really looked into this case very well. The case is not as clean cut as they've led the public to believe and there's a lot more here than meets the eye and both Joshua and his family deserve answers about what really happened that day. The testaments of this supposed Andy guy are also a little bit too suspicious and specific to just overlook. Let me know what you guys think. But that's going to be the video for today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to hit that like button. If you loved it, maybe consider sharing, subscribing, or supporting me on Patreon, or by clicking that blue join button below to really help out the channel. There's also the Ty Knots merch store at tynots.com. But I've been Ty Knots. You guys have been lovely, and I'll catch you in the next video.